Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guests today are Andy Park and Philip Parker with Coral Health. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Chris, for having us. Thanks, yeah, Chris, definitely. Uh, great to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here, both you guys. So um, I'd like to start out with a, a background on, on each of you. Andy, how about let's start with your background? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been a healthcare entrepreneur before. Um, I've also been in the tech space and also worked in traditional healthcare, um, particularly a large company called Maxam Analytics. Um, kind of uh, just uh, my uh, academic background is in molecular biology, um, but just being in the industry, I've picked up programming as well. So um, I consider that a passion of mine. Um, I've also um, kind of been in the trenches of healthcare, uh, doing customer facing work with large drug companies like Pfizer and Merck and Bristol Myers Squibb. So um, I have a pretty good understanding of the tech world and software development, as well as the um, avenues that are required to sell uh, innovative solutions to uh, traditional healthcare entities. Very good. And Philip, how about your background? Yeah, so my background's um, in economics and statistics. So I, I work primarily um, in using data to understand how the healthcare system's working. So I started um, working as a pharmaceutical consultant where I'd look at the different therapeutic options, see how those drugs are actually working in the real world as opposed to in clinical trials, be, and then kind of determine if these cure rates and these control rates, the effectiveness of these, of these therapeutics 
um, were kind of leading to beneficial outcomes that you know, potentially outweighed some of the costs of these new therapies coming out. And then after working for pharmaceutical companies, I switched over towards working with large health systems in the U.S. with Athena Health. And there I was really kind of focused on using data, to, using our data to understand what makes one physician practice perform better than another, and then what are kind of different ways that we can help um, physician practices improve their patient engagement and use that as a driver to improve their financial performance as well. Okay, so uh, both of you, very, very unique back backgrounds. Andy, tell us about what Coral Health does and maybe how, how Coral Health was formed. Yeah, sure. Maybe I can give a high-level overview and then Phil can uh, talk a little bit more about the details. Um, yeah, <clears throat> essentially, uh, what uh, our team noticed is that there's been some major information asymmetries that have developed in our healthcare system. So um, on the patient level, the, the fact that you have to tell your doctor you have a peanut allergy every time you see a new physician really means that when data is being generated, it's not being aggregated in an efficient manner. And from the patient perspective, that's a little bit annoying, but it has very broad and very deep consequences for things like personalized medicine research and improving public health outcomes. Um, so these disparate data silos, they're not just restricted at the patient level, but we see them in business-to-business -business interactions. So for example, when drug companies are doing clinical trials, they're not able to access aggregated information. So they have to put out large ads on in subways and uh, on TV. Um, and a lot of these poll marketing strategies are highly inefficient. So we're looking to resolve some of these uh, data siloing issues. And um, maybe Phil can talk a little bit about our approach and uh, how we're going to tackle that. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, as you've kind of experienced as a patient, you don't, you don't actually even control your own medical information. It's really siloed at each of these different doctor's offices that you're receiving care from. Um, and the funny thing is, not even the doctors that you're seeing have access to your information. So essentially, we're in this kind of bizarre place where you have this fragmented set of information. Um, you as the patient can't access that. And then that kind of has a waterfall effect that we see throughout the healthcare system where when patients go to their doctors, they're filling out the same paperwork. They're not receiving targeted therapies that are designed for them. We're kind of left with this sort of impersonalized care um, and a lot of inefficiencies where um, in the U.S., for example, we're wasting about a little over a trillion dollars a year doing the same tests and the same ineffective treatments that if we just had information on the patient, we could avoid those redundant therapies. And so what the coral health approach is, is to give the patient, to help them reclaim access to their medical information, to give them a single app where all the information coming in from their different providers is accessible in one location, it's up to date and in real time, and then the patient can decide, okay, here are the places that I need to receive care, and then the patient's empowered to share that information with the different doctors that need it, so that those doctors have the information they need to really customize the patient's care and help them have better outcomes. So how, how do the patients share that information with their doctor? Is it via your app, or um, walk us through that? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. So the coolest thing about this solution and, and why it's so important to have it on the blockchain is from security. So in healthcare, obviously, data security is of the utmost importance. So the system we designed is any information added to our system is encrypted and completely secure by default. And initially, only the patient has the ability on their phone to decrypt that information. But what we do is we also allow the patient to securely share decryption information with their providers. So it's not the record itself that's being shared, just the information the provider needs to decrypt that record on their end. 
So essentially we've built a completely secure way um, for the patient to easily share information with their doctors that cuts out these kind of really large um, central points of failure that we have in our current system. For example, in the U.S., um, a lot of data is kind of centralized in central storage locations, and there's that kind of constant risk. And what we kind of see frequently are these large-scale data breaches where millions of patient records get out. So what we've designed is a system where only the patient can control who's seeing their information. They know how it's being accessed, and they're empowered to only share it with the people that they want it to be used. Now, what does that look like on the doctor's side? You mentioned it, it's a, an encrypted access uh, for the doctors as well. How how will they access that information once the, um, the, the person decides to share it? Yeah, that's a great question. So essentially, the doctors, um, the way it works is both the patient and the doctor have unique decryption keys um, that live on each of their devices, so for the doctor on their desktop. And what happens is the patient uses the doctor's decryption, the publicly available decryption information to encrypt the record, and then the doctor on their end is able to decrypt it using the keys that are already on their device. So essentially, by, um, by encrypting the record with both the patient and the provider's information, either party can decrypt it as they want. So on the provider side, it's essentially um, because the decryption keys are already on their computer, um, it doesn't change their workflow. Essentially, all they see is an unencrypted record because the keys already exist on their desktop. So it's already entirely visible to them, but not to some third party that's trying to hack the information. Okay. And where are you in implementation of this platform? Yeah, Andy, do you want to speak towards that yeah. question? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we are, uh, the base layer architecture has already been uh, complete, uh, has been completed and it's all available open source on our GitHub. Um, so if you go to mycoralhealth.com, there is a link to our GitHub account. Um, so we've uh, engineered our entire base protocol that uh, allows for the decryption and encryption that uh, Phil talked about a few minutes ago. And on top of that, uh, we have integration with IPFS, which is a distributed storage system. So our, our underlying uh, protocol is completed. Um, our Actually, the UI is completed as well. So we've developed that in React Native. So anyone who has a keen interest can actually download and try it right now. Um, we are making some significant UI improvements. So, um, the, so it's friendly from a consumer app perspective. Um, but we're very far along in development of our initial iteration. And um, over the next little while, we'll be, we'll be making some announcements in how the um, how the public can download and try this uh, right away. Okay, I'm interested to hear on uh, the user interface improvements that you've discovered along the way. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll uh, pass that back to Phil as uh, he's working through that right now. Yeah, so I think there it's really around. Um, for us, it was really thinking about um, what are really the add-on features for the patient. So it's not just about giving this app isn't just about giving patients. A single place to access their data because there's so much value um, to the patient once they have their information in one place. So, for example, what we're kind of what we're building out now are really these add-on features that, for example, can help the patient understand how their health has been tracking over time. So, let's say you have diabetes, you can monitor your HbA1c levels over time, see if the treatments you're on are actually controlling that, and then what we kind of envision long-term is building out kind of um, AI machine learning on top of that to help the patient predict if they're at risk for, um, say, having a disease flare if they're a rheumatoid arthritis patient. So the initial, the initial UI is pretty simple in that it's really just about helping the patient upload their records and um, allowing their doctors to upload records on their behalf. 
But then what we're building out on top of that is really all this powerful um, ability to use that data to really help the patient take control of their health. All right. So how is, there are a lot of people kind of in the space right now, and they're, you know, the one of the biggest things is um, identity and uh, just kind of things along that, that line. How is Coral Health different from maybe a competitor that you've seen? Um, I can talk a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> I would uh, preface this uh, response by saying uh, we're very encouraged by the uh, newcomers in this space, particularly in healthcare. Um, the reality is that this is a very new space and the uh, intersection of blockchain technologies and healthcare really has been only around for about a year or so. Um, so the fact that there are more and more healthcare companies coming into the space is actually very encouraging because what that means is that healthcare is becoming uh, mainstream in the blockchain context, whereas even a year ago, it was a pretty radical idea. Um, so with that said, I would say that our key differentiator, because so many of us have come from the B2B world, is that we're not taking a top level and uh, top down approach uh, to drive user adoption. So what I mean by that is that traditionally, a lot of healthcare initiatives and the Affordable Care Act tried to do this, um, but um, because the there is recognition that there's so much waste in our current healthcare system and having different EHR systems and different data silos, um, it is relatively obvious that we need to have a bit more of a uniform um, platform for uh, data to reside. And the Affordable Care Act tried to mandate this, and it was an abject failure. There was a lot of uh, lobbying and a lot of regulatory pushback. Uh, there was a lot of patient apathy. So what we're noticing in the blockchain and healthcare space is that that kind of top-down mentality still persists. So a lot of the competition that's coming on the market, they're saying, you know, we're going to build such a robust system that the merits of the system are going to speak for themselves. And patients are just going to gravitate towards it because it's going to be so compelling. Um, we disagree with that notion. We don't think that's going to be successful. Um, these kinds of aggregation initiatives from the top um, have been tried since the 90s. Uh, we think that we need to backdoor this to effectively aggregate patient information. So uh, whether we're building a system so insurance companies can save money on day one and improve their operational workflows by, say, uh, automating their claims adjudication processes, or the example that we mentioned before, whether we're helping drug companies have more efficient clinical trials recruitment, uh, these are the kind of business-to-business -business applications that are going to be enjoyed by these various healthcare entities. And whether or not it's a blockchain solution is actually not a big um, selling point to them. They just want to see that they're going to realize these operational efficiencies quickly. And as we provide these applications to these uh, healthcare entities, the patient aggregation, uh, patient data aggregation will happen as a byproduct. Uh, rather than an end in itself. Um, so I would say our commercialization approach is quite unique and our key differentiator. What are the, uh, you mentioned operational efficiencies and or inefficiencies. What are some current inefficiencies that um, that we're seeing and how are those being um, looked at, first of all, and potentially optimized? Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. that's a fantastic oh, question. I, I would say one, one big area that we've targeted right now is prior authorization because it's an area that affects patients, their doctors, and insurers. So right now, the way that prior authorizations work is it's a very manual process. Um, because the doctor and the insurer aren't sharing the patient information with each other, insurers rely on doctors to manually fill out these paper forms, then fax it to them. And then the insurer on their end has to spend a lot of time going through these paper forms, 
trying to match up the patient information they got from the doctor um, with the patient-specific medical policy. And that's just an incredibly time-consuming process. And oftentimes, there is missing information that wasn't provided to the insurer. Then there's significant back and forth, um, and it can really delay. It both leads to a lot of cost, and it also um, delays the patient's treatment. So instead of the patient being able to receive their treatment while they're still at the doctor, you know, they have to go home, wait for this prior authorization to come through, and that can often take um, weeks and up to a month, depending on how many errors there are. So what we're targeting is using the blockchain to program those insurance policies into smart contracts and have those smart contracts parse the incoming data um, that we're getting through the blockchain so that we can come to an automatic um, streamlined determination about what treatments the patient's covered for based on their medical policy. So it's really about um, better, kind of better data sharing and then applications on top of that better data to really reduce the amount of work both on the doctor side and on the insurer side, but ultimately to help the patient get the treatments they need faster. Now on on both sides of, of that coin, when you as you make things optimized and you you know, reduce the, the workload um, you eventually fill that workload back up. What are what kind of progressive things are you filling those workloads with on the insurer side? Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit for that particular use case. So when you have a team of people manually reviewing these incoming prior authorizations and processing them right now, um, naturally that's kind of a very uh, low skill effort that um, they're burdened with right, uh, currently. Um, you know, it's difficult to say exactly where those talents will be redeployed because it really depends on the individual skill set of the employee. But with that said, um, what I would add is that medical policies are being written and there's a significant incentive to simplify medical policies to be able to churn them out much more quickly. So from the insurance company perspective, it, it's actually antithetical to their current health economic strategy. So what insurance companies should really be doing is seeing what the capital outlay of you know, agreeing to pay for certain procedures are and forming their medical policies to reflect their health economic, their health economics and outcomes research rather than being incentivized to keep these uh, prior authorization and medical policies as simple as possible so they can churn through as many of them as possible. So um, these are some of where the uh, kind of higher level skills can be redirected um, rather than just kind of using them to process and mindlessly churn through incoming PAs. Um, day in and day out. Okay. Um, so what do you guys, uh, let's start with you, Andy. What do you think are some near-term um, things that are going to develop in this industry? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. From a technical perspective, um, and this doesn't just apply to Coral Health, but what's fascinating is that everyone building distributed apps on blockchain are going to have to seriously consider some of these issues. But um, blockchain is the traditional blockchain, um, kind of, for example, Ethereum, it's uh, suffering from uh, transaction speed delays and transaction cost, right? Uh, rising transaction costs. So the way it is right now, as far as kind of uh, apps being built, so we had CryptoKitties come out a while ago that really saddled the Ethereum mainnet. Um, so companies who are forward thinking are actively exploring other uh, blockchain solutions. So whether we're looking at something like Tendermint, where the heavy computations are run off chain and then periodi periodically integrated with the mainnet, or using another blockchain platform like Hyperledger altogether, um, especially companies like ours that are building these B2B applications, uh, we need to actively be researching these other solutions and stay ahead of the curve in implementing them. 
Um, so, you know, it's as much uh, something that we take seriously, but it's also a lot of fun to be researching these um, new technologies that are developing because we're in such a nascent stage um, of the blockchain. So uh, from a technical perspective, these are our considerations that we think about on a daily basis. And Philip, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think on a higher level, it's really about how is, you know, healthcare going to be able to use the blockchain? Um, and it's, it's hard to kind of to overemphasize what a kind of sea change this is. I mean, coming from Athena Health, where, you know, our doctors only had views into visits they had um, within Athena, they had no idea what's happening outside of Athena. And that, that could be, so you, you essentially, as a doctor, are just incredibly limited in how you can care for your patients, because let's say your patient's um, hospitalized and then discharged, you don't know what happened in the hospital, you don't know what treatments they received. So there's just kind of an inability to really um, to really get care where it needs to be. So with, but with the blockchain and with this shared um, validated data source that we can all work off of, um, it just unlocks a ton of potential. I mean, it's really, it's really just kind of limited by our imagination. Um, I think what we're really targeting, what we're seeing the healthcare industry interested in, say, you know, as we're in discussions um, at HIMSS a few weeks ago, um, there's a lot of interest around using this um, to better, to finally create an interoperable EHR system so patients and doctors actually have access to, you know, a complete set of medical information. But then on the payment side, um, there's a lot of potential around, um, firstly, just making the claims adjudication process simpler in the U.S. But then long-term, this information is incredibly valuable as we move towards more value-based care models. So instead of this current fee-for-service system where doctors get paid for how many surgeries they perform, for example, we can move towards a healthcare system using this information um, where we can reward doctors for the quality of the care and not just how much care they're providing. Okay, very good. So for both of you guys, what's what's the roadmap for 2018 for Coral Health? Sure, I can start. Um, we've got uh, multiple pilot programs that are lined up already that we want to engage as soon as our uh, base level protocols are fully complete from a technical standpoint. Um, we naturally want to turn around uh, and become uh, cash flow positive as quickly as possible, which is actually pretty unique in the blockchain space. Um, that's one of the major advantages that we have of being um, of having a B2B focus at first is that uh, we have very targeted use cases that we spoke about on this podcast that we can actually use to drive revenue quickly. Um, so from both a technical and an operational standpoint, uh, we want to be able to uh, run our pilot programs, uh, convert those to revenue, and uh, find new customers to participate in our ecosystem. Um, and it would be great to get as much of that done in 2018 as possible. Okay, very good. And Philip, um, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I mean, I think essentially we're at a we're at a fantastic stage in that you know, this is still very much the early days of the blockchain um, in healthcare. And, you know, we've just seen such a big change, as Andy, Andy mentioned earlier. In the last year, there's just been a major shift in the way healthcare is kind of thinking about the blockchain, moving from just, you know, these individual kind of apostles within healthcare organizations to actually seeing pretty, pretty widespread buy-in across the healthcare industry. So now it's really just important to kind of tap into that momentum, um, build out these partnerships and really move forward because it's been way too, we've, we've dealt with these problems in healthcare for way too long. We thought that moving towards electronic medical records, you know, in the last 10 years would solve a lot of the problems in healthcare, but then we, you know, we're, we're disappointed. So it's only now that we're able um, as an industry to start really moving forward quickly. 
What do you think is um, with the, the industry moving in that direction? What do you think are some some major roadblocks uh, currently that are either being worked on or or about to dissolve that are kind of propel this industry forward? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it it's around. Um, I think the biggest roadblocks initially are just on kind of the tech side that Andy mentioned in terms of how do we how do we build out. We we don't want to the blockchain essentially. Um, it's still limited in terms of transactions that it can handle. So, you know, this is being worked on very quickly with sidechain solutions. But essentially, um, there's this kind of need to make sure that the use cases we're targeting initially are in line with um, the ability of the blockchain to handle these transaction volumes. So that's that's kind of the major limitation now. Um, down the road, it's really around um, it's around kind of how do we essentially um, how do we really get healthcare entities um, fully on board. So there's that initial, um, we've seen initial buy-in essentially, where people are interested in building out the solutions, but there hasn't been as much in terms of um, established healthcare players actually investing the technology. So we're kind of right now still at the stage where um, people are really interested and they're, they want to partner and explore. But really what we need to get to is that next stage where these established players have fully bought in and they're devoting a lot of resources to development because there's so much development need that still needs to be um, worked on. Great. Great thoughts today, guys. Andy, what's the best place that people can contact you and uh, same for Philip um, to find out more about Coral Health and what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people should check out our website. It's mycoralhealth.com. That's also our Twitter account. And being in the blockchain space, we have a very active Telegram community. So anyone asked wants to communicate with us directly and participate in the discussion um, people can just go to our website and there's a big friendly telegram link right at the top awesome well hey guys thank you so much for joining us here today thank you chris this was great yeah definitely yeah and i uh, want to thank all of our uh, listeners for tuning into the future tech podcast we will catch you here next time coming to dallas texas september 14th 15th and 16 2018 the blockchain and future tech expo this is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s and the dot-com boom in the 1990s from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com.
Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.